Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. But uh, I've travelled here to, to be with you from Upper Muteri, which is close to Nelson, top of the South Island. And I thought I'd introduce my family to you. Is that all right? But they're not here, so I've got to show you a photograph. So uh, here we go. That's not it. Yep, here we go. So this is a little technical glitch, but I'm going to tell you that my, my family is gorgeous. And when they do appear, you should do a spontaneous without being asked for, oh, because they really are beautiful. All right? So I don't want to ask for it, but if you wouldn't mind, when, that's, when that picture does appear, uh, which should be pretty soon. So I'm an Australian. You can probably... Oh, there we go. I just realised something. I, I do own more than one shirt. <laughs> I do. I'm more than one. That's a bit awkward, isn't it? Oh, well. I forgot to shave that week. But anyway, this is my gorgeous wife, Brooke. And she uh, is an Apamutri girl. She uh, was raised in Apamutri. And they don't tell you when you're an Australian that if you fall in love with a Kiwi girl and you propose to her and marry her, you're eventually going to live in New Zealand. Uh, I didn't realise that going in, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy now. But Brooke and I actually had a long-distance relationship. And uh, all of our courtship, engagement, all that was long distance between Melbourne, Australia, and she was in Otago by that stage studying. And uh, we got married, when was it, December 2001. And I was in a band, and uh, we wanted to go to live in Nashville. So it was like, will you marry me, Brooke? Let's get married. And as soon as we're married, we'll go and live in Nashville, Tennessee, in the United States. And so that's what happened. From 2002 until very late 2018, Brooke and I were living in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, we were there long enough to have three Americans of our own. So this is Max, he's 13. Marcus, who came to us by adoption, that's another whole message and a whole other story and a few different songs. But Marcus is eight and Casper is six. That's my bunch. Pretty good, right? I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, tomorrow evening. It's going to be great to reunite with them. Um, and I'm going to insert a couple of stories about these guys as, as I go along here. But, uh, yeah, I, I think just in a nutshell, Brooke and I realised that the world, like, this is the reason why we moved to New Zealand right before Christmas 2018, and we've been here for just a bit over two years. We realised that the world would probably be a better place if we raised three more Kiwi young men more, rather than three more Americans. <laughs> love, I love America. Love America. Love Americans. But we just, I don't know, we just, anyway, it feels like we made it out just in the nick of time. Anyway, that, that's my bunch. But, hey, the theme this morning is Chosen. Right? Have you caught that theme already? And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word chosen, maybe this is because of, you know, the, I'm a product of our media generation, the entertainment we suck in all the time. But when I hear the word chosen, I can't help but think about the chosen one. Did anyone else go there in your head? Chosen, the chosen one. Because you, you think about this. We are actually immersed in so many stories, movies, books, even TV series that are talking about the chosen one. You know the theme here. Someone's living their ordinary life, plodding away, and then they discover they are the chosen one, you know? And then everything changes, and from that point, they live this extraordinary life. Everything changes. Can you relate to this? All right, and I'm going to show you a couple of characters. I thought I'd some of my favorite chosen ones, you know? What about this guy? Who's this? Harry Potter. He's living under the stairs. No one cares about little Harry. And then he doesn't know why he's got this lightning bolt on his forehead. And then, actually, Harry, 
you were chosen for an extraordinary life. Right? You're the chosen one. No, I can't be the chosen. I'm just Harry. No, Harry. You're the chosen one. And everything changes. We love those stories, don't we? All right, who's this guy? Luke Skywalker. There he is in Tatooine, farming, nothing going on. And it's a bit interesting because Luke doesn't really find out he's the chosen one until a few movies in, right? Turns out he is the last Jedi. He has extraordinary powers and an extraordinary life to live, and he had no idea before, right? That's Luke's story. What about this guy? (laughs) Mr. Anderson? That's Neo from, from the Matrix series, right? Working his boring computer job, for, turns out he's the chosen one, right? You with me? I've got one more for you, my favourite. Right. Frodo. You know, Frodo, he's just this little hobbit, just going about his life. He just wants to do his thing. Turns out he's the only one that can carry the ring. The ring of power. Everything changes. And it seems to me that like, we suck in these stories and we love them. We love these stories. And I have a suspicion that it has us forget that we are chosen. We, we tend to very easily, I think, accept this kind of, dare I say it, kind of average, mundane, making it through each 24-hour block day. Thinking that unless I find out that Darth Vader is my dad, unless I see a, a lightning bolt on my forehead, unless Gandalf comes and like, are you with me? I guess unless something makes me convinced that I am a chosen one, then I'll just go about my life. But I'm here to declare something different. I'm here to declare something very different. You are the chosen one. You are the chosen one by Almighty God. If you're here in this room as a follower of Jesus, you have been chosen for something extraordinary. What are you chosen for? Now, I did a little bit of a a Bible search. It's pretty easy to do from BibleGateway.com. Check this out. I found this verse. This is Jesus speaking. He says, for many are called, but few are chosen. It seems to me that Jesus puts out this call to all humanity. But if we are people who have nailed our flag to the mast of being a follower of Jesus, where are you? Have you done that? I am a follower of Jesus. I'm in for the long haul, God. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm a follower of Jesus. Then you are raising your hand to say, I am a chosen one. Because look at this. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Can you turn to the person beside you and say, he has chosen you. He has chosen you, Glenn. He has chosen you. You are chosen for something extraordinary, something beyond what we can imagine. Please don't wait to find that lightning bolt on your forehead. We are called. But we live in a culture. We live a type of life in this world that would have us convinced that we can just say, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus. What's for lunch? You know? Now it turns out that 
especially for kids, like little kids, it's very, very important that little children have a sense that they have choices, that they can make choices. And my wife, Brooke, she's, she's amazing. She's a scientist. Like, she's really smart. And she, when we had, first had Matt, she was saying to us, hey, when we're dis- uh, disciplining our children, we've got to give them choices. And I'm like, I've never heard of this. It's not how I was raised. But she said, for example, Grant, if our little boy Max, who was about two or three at that age, if he's drawing on the wall of the house, don't just say, stop drawing on the wall of the house. You've got to give him some choices. You've got to let him choose his own better behavior. You say, don't draw on the wall of the house. You can draw on this paper or this whiteboard. Are you with me? Anyone parent like that? It's incredible. The change. I was trying to get Max to stop doing things. And then I discovered what Brooke was saying. You give a child some choices and they choose. They they feel honored. They feel loved. They feel empowered. And they feel like that's a better sort of discipline. I get to choose. And I'm going to show you a photograph of little Max about that age. Before that, this verse, right? Therefore, as God chooses... Oh, yes, sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. You guys can follow this, can't you? I'm a garbled Australian bass player. What are you going to do? What are we chosen for? Well, that's the life journey of all of us, right? But here's a clue. In first, uh, sorry, Colossians 3.12 tells us, Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's me, that's you, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you really extol these, these disciplines you will be living an extraordinary life. And I love that word, compassion, there. We need to be people who are characterized by an extraordinary, beyond-the-average compassion towards those who are in need. I think especially those who are poor in the eyes of the world. I'm doing the little weird rabbit ears because that's a biblical term. Those who are poor in the eyes of the world are the people who we are especially called to be compassionate towards, to be kind towards. But are you ready for a photograph of little Max? All right. I love this one. All right, here he is. So... um, Max and Marcus and Casper, they're all children that we could describe as being uh, spirited children, if you know what I mean. So thinking about these choices, giving kids choices, um, Brooke told me a story once when Max, when he was about this age, which is about three, I think, um, she said that Max was given a, a cup of milk to drink. And he said, Mom, can I please have a spoon to drink my milk? And Brooke said, and thinking about the choices, No, Max, I can't give you a spoon. I'll give you a straw or you can drink it straight from the cup. Your choice. And she's thinking, you know, champion parent. And Max says to her, little Max, this age, may I please have my choices again, but this time with spoon as one of them? (laughs) Which which reminds me, like, we humans, we, we get choices, right? And as we grow older, we get choices. And we want to choose our own way, don't we? Our Heavenly Father is giving us choices. And I believe He is saying to us, love me first and love people. Love God, love others. And within that framework, if they are your highest priorities, do whatever you want. Love God and love people. 
And this, and this is the struggle because we use the word love like, oh, I love pizza. Oh, Justin Bieber, I love Justin Bieber. Like we use that word. But what we're talking about is Jesus dying on the cross love, tough love, like a brutal, extraordinary version of love, a costly love, a self-sacrificial love. We must be people who are characterized to an extraordinary level in our community as people who compassionately, in a costly way, love those around us. Around us. And we love those to the end of the earth. This is what you're chosen for. This is what you are chosen for. And I find myself thinking about poverty, you know. Because you know we're here partnered with this organization called World Vision, right? And who's heard of World Vision before? So very, very briefly, World Vision connect people like you and me who live in a wealthier country. And even though we don't feel like it, right? We're living in a, a very fortunate country and they connect us with kids in countries like Bangladesh and India and Kenya kids who are living in extreme poverty and I think for most of my life I've wanted to keep this choice of whether I'm going to care for those kids for me rather than relinquishing it to God you know I'm called God. I am chosen. What do you want me to do with relation to this child? There's one way of defining what poverty is, and it's like this. Poverty is the lack of choices. Kids who live in extreme poverty, they're not but choosing between five different breakfast options like my boys do. You know? And here's another definition for you. Another definition of overabundance, of excess, is too many choices. We've got so many choices that it actually makes us almost redundant. You know, like we, we become sort of lifeless blobs in a sense. You know, we, we can so easily become what I'm going to call pew warmers. You know, we, we attend our church services, we hear the sermons, we sing the songs, we might read the Bible, we might choose to do a few little good things around our community and for other people, but we're not as effective as we really should be. We don't have that strong, burning sense that I am chosen for something extraordinary. Can I just be honest with you? Australians would say, can I be fair income? You know what I mean, don't you, Kiwi? Can I be fair income? I've got too many choices. I'm the sort of person who opens my wardrobe and sees all my clothing and shoe options and I can think sometimes I've got nothing to wear. I can open my refrigerator and look in the pantry and there's food everywhere. And I'm going, oh, there's nothing to eat. I can be surfing my way through Netflix, right? Or whatever you've got, you know. Oh, there's nothing to watch. You know, our lives can have so many choices and options, opportunities, that it ends up just making us do nothing. Nothing extraordinary. Nothing extraordinary. So this Sunday morning, 
is what we're calling a chosen event. It's a partnership with World Vision. And we're going to speak a little bit more about that in a moment. But what we've decided to do in partner with, with, with World Vision, and, this is, and Thrive is right behind this. Glenn and Deborah are right behind this. We're recognising that maybe we have too many choices. And maybe kids who live in countries like Bangladesh in extreme poverty have too few. So we're going to give people in this room an opportunity and those who are watching online a chance to give away some choices to the tune of 50 bucks a month and give some of those choices to a child in Bangladesh this morning. Let's see if that's where the rubber hits the road, shall we? Let's see. Now, we were all surprised by the announcement last night about COVID restrictions. And um, right now in the program, I was going to be introducing you to somebody, but I can't do it because he's from Auckland. And he might have been to KFC or Kmart. I don't know, you know. When I speak about him in a moment, but I want to show you a little short video that's been given to me by World Vision. Now, some of us probably realise this stuff, but can we watch a little two-minute video that just explains to us what World Vision does? And understand this, I'm not on staff with World Vision. I don't, that, that's not my job. I'm a musician. I'm a speaker, all right? But I love what they do so much. Whenever I sing, whenever I speak, I want to give people an opportunity to get behind what they do. And if you've got any doubt about what they do and the sincerity of it, and the Jesus focus of it, I'd love you to watch this little video. For the past 60 years, we've been partnering with people like you to help children and communities break free from poverty. But have you ever wondered how we use your community sponsorship money or donations to actually do that? To start, we approach each community we serve the same way, by listening to them. From the very beginning, we sit down with the community's children, families and leaders and listen to what their unique challenges and needs are. Do they need clean water, better schools, a dependable supply of wood, basic health care, local jobs? What opportunities do they see? Next, we work with them to develop a five-year action plan that will address the root causes of their challenges. Once the plan is drafted, we help them put it into action. We work with the existing leaders and empower new ones, bringing the community together to help them address the needs they've identified. And if something in the action plan isn't quite working as well as it should, we go back and change it so it does. But it doesn't stop there. We don't just help a community get the things they need like healthcare, education, clean water, nutritious food and economic opportunity. We also train them so they know how to best care for and grow these new resources so that they will continue to have them for years to come. When the community has grown healthier, safer and more self-sustaining, then we transition out and move on to the next community in need. By now, the community is a better place for children to live and grow, and they are more equipped to handle emergencies and can even turn around and help their neighbours. From beginning to end, this transformation is made possible because of people like you who are passionate about helping children and communities break free from poverty. Yeah, it's great. I'm so pleased to hear you applaud that because, you know, that, 
That's for real, that stuff. That's what they're doing. And I just want to assure you, as someone who's not on staff, I'm not paid to say this. What they say they do, they do. All right? Now, right now, I'm supposed to be introducing you, if we weren't for COVID-19 restrictions, to an amazing guy. His name is Vitalis Okwako. And I've still got my slide in my presentation. But I, I didn't want to really leave this out. Like, I've just got to know Vitalis just recently. Had a few meetings with him. Hung out with him for dinner last night. And we had this really amazing interview prepared that tells something of his story. But I'm just going to pretend like he's here and share you the bullet points of that interview. I wish he was here right now because he's, I don't know, I think I'm allowed to say this. He's an incredibly good-looking guy. He's, like, he's, he's got this... I don't, know, I don't know, maybe, maybe Phil could help me out here, but he's, you meet Vitalis and he's got this grace about him. You know, he's got this poise and he's got an incredible story, an extraordinary I'm a chosen one story. I, I wish you could meet him, maybe get another chance. What I could do is tell you that he actually lives in Auckland, but he's not from Auckland. But he lives in Auckland with his wife, wife Anna, and there they are, all right? That's them. That's him on the right. He's a good-looking guy, right? And they're a beautiful couple. And I haven't met Anna yet, but uh, because of our restrictions, um, Vitalis couldn't be here with us. But you can tell he's not from Auckland originally, is he? No, Vitalis was born in Kenya. I'm going to tell you a few facts from his story, his extraordinary chosen story. So Vitalis was was born in a very poor part of Kenya a rural part of Kenya that's close to Lake Victoria, very close to the Ugandan border. And his family was made up of mother, father, and he was one of four siblings. And they live on a little farm. The farm's about the size of a petrol station, a small petrol station. He calls them peasant farmers. A little bit of questioning, and I found out what he means is subsistence farmers, which means whatever they got to eat, they had to grow it. And sometimes they'd wander out into the bush and pick a few berries and dig up a few roots. But that's all they got to eat. And usually there wasn't enough food. Very often, Vitalis and his siblings and his parents especially were very hungry. They weren't choosing which breakfast cereal or crumpets like my boys. Often going days, sometimes weeks, with no food. And there was never any extra crop. They couldn't sell anything in the market, so they never had any money. And if anyone got sick in Vitalis' family or his community, he almost laughed last night when I said, could anyone see a doctor or a nurse, like get proper medical attention? (laughs) No. No, that was never even thought of. And he actually told me this, and I hope he's okay with me sharing this, but his mother had shared with him, yes, there's mum and dad and four children in his family, but he was told that his mother actually gave birth to 12 kids and only four survived. And there are lots of people, lots of communities, lots of children still living like that today. Now, what you're seeing me do here in front of you right now is what I call child advocacy. You know, I'm advocating for children who live in extreme poverty. I've been doing this for quite a few years. And over those 20 or so years, when I was first doing this, we were told, 
uh, by researchers, if you want to, you can t tell people in your talk that 45,000 children die from hunger and hunger-related diseases that are totally preventable each and every day. And that was 20 years ago. Now, I didn't generally choose to talk about it that way. But I want to tell you, I feel compelled to tell you this. Over the years of me doing this child advocacy work, that number has been coming down, 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 down. Hallelujah. And the last number I heard in 2019 was 17,000 children. And I'm like, wow, we're getting there. Extreme poverty is going to end in my lifetime. This is, and I had some talks about that. We have hope for the future because extreme poverty is going to end in our lifetime if we stay the course. Now, 17,000 a day is still too many, right? It's a lot better than 45,000. But I'm sorry to tell you that we, we here in New Zealand, while we might feel somewhat affected by COVID-19, you know who it's affecting the most? It's the communities in countries like Bangladesh. It's those communities who are still living in extreme poverty. And I'm sorry to tell you this, guys. That 17,000 number is going to go up again. And it hasn't gone up in decades. I don't know what to do with that, but just try to stay attuned to the calling on my life. Because I'm a chosen one. And I've got too many choices. And I've got to give some of them away. You know, Vitalis, life was very tough for him and his family. And Vitalis desperately wanted to go to school. And he even got to go to school in some of his early years a little bit. But then the government changed the laws and the only kids that got to go to school in Kenya were those who could afford to buy a school uniform. I don't know what the thinking is behind that, but that had Vitalis sent back to the farm. Unable to go to school because he can't afford the uniform. But that's when something changed. Vitalis was chosen to be a World Vision sponsored child. And although that didn't take away all his problems, things changed for the better. He was getting more food to eat. If he got sick and his people in his community got sick, they could get proper medical attention. They had clean drinking water, water that didn't make them sick anymore. They were hearing about, like Vitalis and his friends were hearing about this God that loved them. And he would say it this way, I could sense that the, the cycle of poverty was beginning to break in my life. And now I'm beginning to live with some hope. And World Vision bought him that school uniform. And he tells me that he had, part of the school uniform is socks and shoes. And he had never worn socks and shoes in his entire life. And he was 13 years old. And he loved his school uniform so much that he would wear it even when he wasn't going to school. Mainly because he didn't have any other clothes. And he's a clever guy. He was top of his class in primary school all the way through high school. And when he aged out of the World Vision program, he had good English because he was educated. He was able to go to Nairobi, get a better job. Still, life was tough. He had this strong sense of a future with hope. He had a strong sense of God's love for him, that much of which came through the, his work, the work of World Vision. And in Nairobi, he met Anna. And they fell in love. But I'm going to tell you a few things about about Vitalis now that he may not feel comfortable to tell you. But he, 
He's one of these amazing people that you go back to him before the age of 13. He was living in a state where life was hanging by a thread and there were no choices. And now do you know what he chooses to do? He chooses to support five other students in Kenya. Some of them his siblings, some not. He's sending money from his job as a security guard in a hospital to help five other kids through education. He would say that being educated broke the cycle of poverty, not only in his life, but will break it in his community, in his country, and around the world. He also contributes financially to the work of World Vision New Zealand. He's got choices, and that's what he chooses to do. To care for others in ways that cost. In ways that cost. And Vitalis, I asked him, you know, if you hadn't become a chosen child through World Vision, what do you think would have happened? Like, where do you think you'd be? And he really said, at best, I'd be working on a subsistence farm, missing a lot of meals and drinking dirty water and never getting medical attention when I needed it, or my family. And I'd have no hope of breaking out of that. And he said, at worst, I'd be dead. Like a lot of my peers from that age, from his age, they turned to thieving, they turned to robbery, violence. Many are dead from AIDS. It would be a very different story. And I know if Vitalis was here, he would ask you to take the invitation you're going to receive in just a couple of minutes very seriously, very prayerfully. And he would want to say thank you if this morning you decide to allow a child in Bangladesh to choose you to be their sponsor. So we've been talking about Chosen. What's it all about? Well, the best way I can explain it is by showing you another short movie. See, this, this, this thing that's, that's been happening for about 60, 70 years through World Vision globally, where, and this is how I got first involved in the year 2000, I looked at a table after a church service like this and it was covered by photographs of children who lived in poor countries, you know, and I got to choose a little girl named Karabo in Rwanda. I chose her. And you know what? I think I chose her because she was cute. You know, I still turned that opportunity into something of a menu for me. But that's not going to happen this morning. This morning. And this is only the third time this has happened in New, in a New Zealand church. We're going to let the children in Bangladesh choose us. Watch the movie to find out what we mean. In the heart of downtown Chicago, hundreds gathered who wanted to sponsor a child through World Vision. But unlike so many sponsorship events before, this one was a bit unexpected. Instead of having people choose a kid from a set of photos, like sponsorship's been done for decades, we did something that we've never done before. 
Now, the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future, to pursue their God-given gifts, to become changemakers in their communities, and even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Exciting, right? This is this is something beautiful the world vision's come up with. Where, you know, we we can show this respect for a child, give them a choice, and some of these kids haven't been able to choose anything yet. But we can give away a little bit of our our choice and give it to them, and it's going to change more than one life. It's going to change ours too, and it's going to change a whole community on the field. And, um, you know, Deb and Glenn are right behind this. We've been planning this for a long time. We've spoken to people in Bangladesh by a, by a Zoom call. Um, and by the way, we've decided to partner with Nilfamari, a little tiny region of Bangladesh. It's sort of a, uh, if you know your geography, like we're talking about that sort of northeastern corner of India. This is very, very overpopulated, very poor country of Bangladesh. Nilfamari, all the kids that... We give the empowerment to be choosers today, all live in the same little community. And we'll have this special connection between Thrive and Rangiora and Nilfamari. And I'm going to show you a couple of photos from a recent, what we call a choosing party. Right? This is not ours because this happened with, I think, the first church in New Zealand where this happened. But here's a couple of these kids who are connected with World Vision in Bangladesh. And this coming Wednesday... Those of us who decide to be chosen this morning will have our photograph taken just outside here. And those photographs will be presented to the children this coming Wednesday. And these kids will have a chance to choose their sponsor. And they'll get a choice, an empowering choice. And to build a relationship with you. And next Sunday, here at Thrive, you're going to find out who chose you. And it's going to mess you up real good. Yeah, let's give John a hand. Um, yeah, when, when Philip from uh, World Vision uh, rang me, I've, I've known Philip for a few years and we've had coffee every year or so and, um, and talked to me about the chosen, um, the idea of chosen. My heart was really, really gripped by this. And um, so we invited Philip in um, a couple of months ago, it must have been, into staff and he shared 
uh, with our team for an hour or so the vision of, of Chosen and of World Vision. And um, actually at the point, I mean, there were a lot of, there weren't any dry eyes like left in the, in the room at that time. And, and then at the point where he said, hey, it's going to be Bangladesh, like we all just erupted and, and clapped and were just so excited um, for Bangladesh. We don't even know why. We were just so triggered um, that, that that would be the, the area that um, we're going to be partnering with World Vision in and investing in. And, um, and the other cool thing about it is that it's just a couple of countries away from Cambodia where we've had a, a real legacy um, missional focus into. And so, you know, maybe if we get to travel there one day, we can, um, we can go to both countries. And and, and when I was in Cambodia, actually, um, about four years ago, I just saw the difference that an outside source of financial blessing can make to a region. You know, I, I went to this place called Manor for Life, uh, Kevin and Lekin and Knight, who went in on the ground and have and continue to be on the ground. They were there with this village that had been uh, relocated from the heart of Phnom Penh. They'd been uh, just told, you're, you're done. And then they were just dumped in a paddock. And so this couple just invested into this community. They planted mango trees, started a school, got fresh water there. And then there's a, we were fortunate enough to, to partner with them financially and help them buy land. And, and it was just an exciting thing to go there and see the gospel uh, not as just a, a salvation response, but that love looks like something. Um, I was just meditating. This morning, just thinking of Isaiah 6, and, and um, the Lord asks, says, you know, who will go? <laughs> who will go for me? You know, who will, go, who will go with this message? Who will go with the gospel? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. You know, he's saying, I'll be, I will be a chosen one to go. And, you know, it's so fortunate that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not an empty gospel. It's a gospel of love. It's a gospel of action. It's a gospel of sacrifice. You know, because love looks like something. Yeah, Deb. Yeah, you know that we opened up the theme of the gospel. That's our theme for this year. And I think more than ever, um, our hearts are just gripped by the gospel, by the power of the gospel and the transforming power of the gospel. And everything that's happening here today is a part of that. Um, and we are just, we just love what World Vision is doing. Um, and, you know, that video was incredible. Such a great video, both those videos. But, yeah, just to actually see how World Vision works as well. So we love what they're doing. And we're just like, actually, we just really want to be a part of something bigger as a church family. We love the fact that as, you know, whoever decides to sponsor today, that together we get to actually partner with a particular community. Like Glenn said, when the staff knew it was in Bangladesh, Bangladesh, yeah, yeah, we were all just super excited. It's like God did something in our hearts, is gripping us for this nation. Um, so yeah, as a church, it's exciting that we get to partner with a particular community. Um, just want to mention, like Grant did before, that life is a lot different um, for people in other places in the world um, in the last 12 months, and it is in Bangladesh. And you know, it was important to have sponsorship before, but now more than ever, it is important um, with the effects of COVID-19 and just the way it has turned our world upside down. Just want to, this morning too, just acknowledge everyone who's already sponsoring a child, whether it's through World Vision or another organisation. Thank you so much um, for what you're doing. I know as a family, um, when I was little, we always were sponsoring children. I remember our first one was actually in Kenya as well. 
Um, so as a family, as in our family unit, um, we've been talking with our children and we've decided that we want to partner with Chosen. So today we're going to get our photograph taken and we are going to have the privilege of getting Chosen and um, I love the Chosen nature of this, um, of, of what's happening. Giving children a choice is amazing. I love the empowering nature of that. So we're excited to see who else um, wants to join us this morning as well in partner with World Vision and sponsoring a child. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.